Yes, I am Nikki B, and right now I'm joined by two guests, one in studio and one coming to us from the UK, I think, on Zoom. So welcome, Zara Julius. Welcome to the World Show. Where are you, Zara, in the UK? Hi, Nikki. I'm actually in um, Austria. I'm in, in Vienna. Okay, you seem to move around so much, but we'll <laughs> talk about that again in a moment. And of course, Goodwill and Kuna, no stranger to the World Show, but first time I've had you in studio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, Um Glad to be here. Good. Glad to have you here. And I must say that I'm so excited for this hour because there's so much beautiful music to play uh, (laughs) from uh, the South African archives. And what a beautiful project. So let's start a little bit with that. Like, how did this project come about? I mean, Goodwill, you are part of the Gallo team Mm. of looking at the archives. A scary mammoth task, I have to say. Yes. But having Zara and the team with us, they're making it easy. Uh, but it's an amazing, uh, amazing journey that South African music has gone through. So um, what, what Gallo is trying to do, uh, we are trying to retell the story, connect with new audiences and international audiences. And, and the podcast itself is one of those things, the vehicle that we're using to connect with those audiences. So an exciting uh, 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 exciting project in front of us. Very exciting. And it's about time, actually. Somebody delved in to these, this amazing resource and started giving it the honor it deserves. How did you get involved in the project, Zara? Yeah, so essentially Konjo has been, um, which is the Pan-African Creative Research Agency that I founded and I run. Um, we've been really interested in creating an audience and a discourse around exciting African, you know, music and culture from the African continent. And so it kind of almost seemed obvious that we would do something like this. Um, (laughs) And so Gallo invited invited, um, us in as a partner on this project. Uh, We had developed our own internal podcast with uh, creators, musicians, artists from around the African continent and the Caribbean already the previous uh, last year. So it kind of was a, a, a natural kind of follow on from that project that um, we would do something with deeper research for, for the, the Gallo archive. So maybe we should, before we continue to go into that, what is this uh, Gallo Vault series? Maybe you can just encapsulate it in a few words. In, in, in a few words, is, is basically us telling our African story, our African history, uh, and this colorfulness, and telling the story of Gallo, one of the biggest, largest uh, uh, music company in Africa, and it's 95 years old this year. So we are trying to tell that story. The podcast is is looking at how culture has influenced music and how music has influenced culture. And and I salute the Gallo team for choosing um, a, a pan-African company like uh, Konjo. Uh, run by by Zara and the research that they've done it's amazing um, yes. and 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 as you listen to the stories you 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 discover a lot of small nuggets when you thought you knew it all and you pick up something new and then how how did the SABC influence music and how did apartheid influence music but also telling the the story of Gallo 
So it's, it's very in, uh, intricate and, 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 and well-researched and, 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 and beautiful storytelling. Well, it's almost, I think, like Gallo is actually interwoven into that story. I mean, you speak mm-hmm. about the South African archives and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, th- uh, this is a huge part of that. It's massive. I mean, yes. like uh, some of the people that we've interviewed, uh, when they look at their South African soundtrack, if if you go back into the 80s, Gallo was there. You go back to the 60s, Gallo, Gallo was, was there. there. So, yes. so the music that we grew up with, uh, it, it comes across very nicely. Yes. Um, I like the fact that even when the music business or the music industry started in South Africa, it almost started like by chance. Because record recording industry was not there in the 20s, was not there in the 30s. But it started developing and developing and to grow to what it is today. It's just an amazing story. And I, 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 I recommend that people actually go, go out there and actually... Uh, tune in and, and listen to the podcast. They're going to find interesting things. Now, absolutely. And we're going to play some of these amazing tracks. But Sora, weren't you? And I mean, I think anyone would be. So I'm not saying this. I would be completely overwhelmed. <laughs> Where do you begin with this body of work that is so rich? You know, how did you start? Where did yeah. you start? Yes. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's <very laughs> overwhelming. Um, but uh, essentially, I I had my own gaps, right? I had gaps within my own knowledge, right? I'm I sure I grew up with the sounds of Gallo in my household. My parents were into music, but um, you know the details of what happened in the 30s, 40s, all those things were gaps. So essentially. Um, the beginning of, of the process was really doing preliminary interviews with um, Gallo's uh, resident archivist, Rob Allingham, doing interviews with a lot of folks who were at some point or another managing directors of Gallo or Gallo Africa, um, and really understanding why the why the company was important for them as well. Um, and then I have my own kind of research interests, um, and obviously Konjo has its own agenda as well <laughs> in yes. terms of trying to f- put... African music and African culture forward. And so essentially the way it, it emerged is where these, you know, the, the dominant threads that came out of the conversations and where Konjo's interests really overlap. And that was how how um, we went with the different themes that we unpack. And I think it's also really important um, that if I have gaps, many other people will also have gaps. Mm. And um, to really not make assumptions around what people know uh-huh. about South Africa's music history. And so we really want to kind of create like a, a, a departure point so that when we continue to have conversations around South African music, we understand why we're mm. saying the things that we're saying and, and, and kind of what, what went into shaping the sounds that we that we hear today, such as Amapiano as an example, right? Yes, absolutely. And that's part of the series is I think you move from very far back, 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 you lie. Mm. Um, mm. Let's hear one of these uh, beautiful tracks that uh, uh, are part of this this podcast series. Um, and I think this one was part of the first uh, episode. Tell us a little bit about the theme of the first episode. Yes. So the theme of the first episode is really looking. It's it's looking at the kind of overarching story of Gallo um, Music as a company, um, and with that again the overarching kind of trajectory of South Africa's record industry history. Um, so this particular track goes into, um, 
I'm just going to jump ahead and 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 speak about the track. Please tell us. You introduce the track, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So this particular track is um was recorded by a gentleman named Griffiths Matsuyaloa, who was a um the first kind of talent scout or producer um that Eric Gallo hired to go to the UK, find South African uh, students who were studying in the UK and then record there because at this point, South Africa never had the ability to, to press um, master master tapes. Um, and so this is recorded by Griffiths. It's called Abutun Pico um, uh, with Ignatius Monari, who was studying in the UK at the time. And it's really, really interesting because it's, it's such a strange kind of fusion of, of sounds mm. that you wouldn't really expect to hear from a South African archive. Um, so, yep, yeah, I don't know if... Um, That's absolutely it, beautiful. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I missed it, but did you mention the year that it was recorded in? It was recorded in the early, in the early 20s. Mm. Um, yeah, it was recorded in, recorded in the early 20s. I, I don't have the exact year. I think that's, that's perfect. You don't have to give us the... That just gives an idea. This is 100 yeah. years yeah. old. <laughs> and that is what's important. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, uh, yes, Zara Julius and Goodwill and Kuna with me on The World Show. And when we come back from this track, we're going to look at how you can listen to this amazing podcast series. Yes, I've got to give that one. What a gem. What an absolute gem. <laughs> How beautiful. Abuti in Kiko, Griffiths, Motswela and company. Yeah. Yes. You were speaking about that song while it was playing uh, Goodwill. Uh, I'm just looking at the yodeling. Uh, yes. uh, just to show that uh, music has borrowed from other cultures and other people. And obviously the the first influencers of music in South Africa were obviously international. Uh, I mean, like even if you were to look at uh, the choir that uh, went into the UK uh, to go raise funds uh, uh, back in the days, yes. they were influenced by the mm. Americans who came to South Africa with the choir and, 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 and South Africans were looking at this and like, we didn't know that music like that can be done. So even on, when I'm listening to this, I'm laughing and I'm just like, we're discovering these things and, uh, and yes. it's, it's amazing. But I mean, where do you begin? I once went many, many, many years ago. I went to the Gala Vaults. <laughs> and I mean, you know, with a with hundred years of music, mm. it's, it's again, it's a mammoth task and a lot of stuff was, you know, uh, um, what can I say, not catalogued properly. I remember actually because it was a project I was working on and, 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 and you'd get these, the, the four inch tape recordings, but it would be wrongly labeled. <laughs> so, I mean, where did you begin? Has there been a process of actually unearthing all of this and putting it together? Yeah, so <laughs> essentially the the vault actually only has things from when dat tapes kind of came into invention right so the vault is actually missing a lot of the early shellac records that this would have been pressed onto um from like the early uh 20s 30s 40s that you really would have been dealing with shellac um so the vault doesn't actually have any of that stuff but luckily you know I, i'd heard about uh griffiths Mosuloa and and the pivotal role that he played in um you know uh recording and producing and also promoting uh black music that was coming out of the urban cities 
um, people like the Mary Blackbirds. And Chris Ballantyne's book comes with a CD, My Ruby Nights, that comes with the CD and has this recording on it. So that's how I actually found this particular recording. Um, but in terms of the process, sometimes it's a situation of my finding out about an album and it's not digitized yet in the, in the, in the vault. And so it's a, it's a kind of give and take process of saying, hi, please digitize this urgently so we can use it in the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And if we look, I mean, you know, I spoke about earlier feeling overwhelmed, but much content, but also to narrow it down to six episodes. Mm. That's, that's a, a task in itself. Don't you in a way feel this is the beginning of something from which you have to keep going? It, it definitely is like that because every, every episode, after the episode finishes, you feel like the audience want to hear more. Uh, you feel like you want to dig deeper into some of the things. Um, and not to take away from Zara's research, but it has uncovered a lot of other stories that will come. And Which are, is what's great about the yeah, research. Yeah, yes. and we are looking forward to doing season two. Um, yes. So at the, at the moment, I mean, Galo has invested a lot of money. Uh, we, we, the archive itself is, is managed and uh, we do have people working there, cataloging and, and digitizing, as Zara was, was mentioning. So there's a specific team that is just looking at that. And I'm not going to give you the location of the, of the vault. Because yes. you know what happened to the Universal Vault yes. <laughs> in America. So we are, we are keeping it very... Uh, and even uh, the SABC, uh, remember it went on, got on, yeah, set on fire. So yeah, we're yes. not, not going to give you yes. location for that. And, mm. and those who know where it is, please do not tweet about it. <laughs> so we are trying to, to, to uh, come back with those. There are playlists that we are putting together. As Zara said, every podcast goes with a DJ mix. So there are songs that we are taking from the archive, things that have never been released. So we are going to be making a lot of uh, noise about it. Uh, we, we ask people to follow us on, on our socials. That's where we're going to be making announcement. I mean, I was listening to a Steve Kekana that was recorded in the 70s. Never heard before. You listen to it, you're thinking to yourself, you are somewhere in London. Because yes. it was that disco... I wouldn't necessarily say disco, but the music itself is classic. If you listen to it with your eyes closed, you wouldn't even think it was South African. Yes. Th that's how talented South Africans uh, are. Yes, and and still are. I'm pleased you said are, not were. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that vastness as well. Yeah. I mean, like, you're listening to that, Avuti. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, you listen to that song and you think to yourself, from where we were yes. to coming to reggae, coming to Maskandi, Yes. And now coming to Ama Piano, yes. we're just evolving and growing. And, and, and the industry that we're in, I, I was uh, hanging around with uh, Professor Dikeni, and he was saying that uh, people like us in the music business or entertainment business, we are social engineers, and we keep on just changing it all around and, and growing with it. So, yeah, so we hope that uh, the podcast will, will be informative to people that are going to listen to it. And, and as, as they are following it, uh, we will appreciate their comments and, and uh, yeah, must enjoy it. And on that note, how can people access the podcast? How can they listen? How and yeah, where? So, uh, the, the podcast is on all your major podcasting platforms. Um, if they search Gallo Vault Sessions or they search Konjo, because it's on the Konjo network, um, K-O-N-J-O, uh, they will be able to find it on the Spotify's, the Apple podcast the google podcast stitcher all the things um yeah so it's pretty easy to find i i i think nice. <laughs> so please do go out and um and and, and learn some of the uh, things that we've kind of offered learn and listen and enjoy mm. you learn and you know enjoy the music as well and um yes thematically zara 
So yeah. you're looking at six distinct different themes. Mm. Um, the first track we played would be off episode one, for example. Yes, so it appears in episode one and it also appears on episode four, which we just dropped last week um, because the, that, that particular episode, episode four, was dealing with the in-house producers that Gallo hired. Um, yes. So we go deeper into Griffith's story in episode four, but of course we touch on why he's important in episode one as well. So yes. what's really, I think, quite fun about the, the series is that each episode builds on the previous episode. So yes, you can listen to it as a standalone thing, but it also, there are characters that you, that you meet again and again, and there's stories that we build on throughout the series. Um, so episode one, as, as, as I mentioned, is a kind of overarch of South Africa's music trajectory and, and thereby Gallo music trajectory. Um, the second episode looks at race, genre, and um, radio, and the way radio kind of censored particular types of music and, and perpetuated a kind of retribalization project in cahoots with the apartheid mm. government and the Bund. Um The third episode really looks at uh, the construction of Afrikanerom um, through music and culture, which I find really interesting. The uh, particular types of understandings of Afrikanerom were kind of perpetuated and other types were not and in pursuit of a kind of ordentlicate, a kind of decency um, that the Buddha Bond is really trying to um, I guess sell Control. as like the picture yes. of South yes. Africa, right? Um, yeah, and then I, I mentioned that the fourth episode is looking at in-house producers and, and talent scouts and the role that these individuals played as um, the pivotal role, I would say, in constructing the sound of South African music and then also the ways in which they were, which they were, which they were, which they were buffers by the record labels um, to kind of not have to deal with the artist directly, right? Because yes. we, we're obviously dealing with a, a, a time in history that is complicated um, and therefore... Gallo, as important as the archive is, wasn't immune to the mm. context of apartheid and racial exploitation. And so we, we deal with those difficult conversations as well. Yes. And I think it's amazing that Gallo is willing to have this hard conversation and to support these types of this type of discourse. Absolutely. In fact, let's hear the second track, and I'm not sure which episode this one on, but maybe you can enlighten us, Zora. This one is Noha from Timakala, and thank you. This one, I definitely didn't know it was a joy to hear. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this is by Twatla Makala. Um, we actually digitized the song specifically for the second episode. So he was a Susitu um, speaking um, uh, performer playing the kind of concertina as well. And so this kind of fits into the story around uh, Radio Bantu and how different ethnic groups were kind of um, localized on different radio stations that pertain to particular languages, right? So you would have Radio Zulu, Radio Sutu, Radio Venda, etc. Um, and yeah, so this, this song really fits into that. And, and he apparently was incredibly prolific and there's... A, you know, from conversations that I had with uh, Rob Allingham, there's an, a huge collection of, of, of music um, oh, and, and albums that are uh, that he's responsible for, but we just haven't ever we haven't ever heard from him. So mm. I think it's a really good opportunity to hear these these artists that we've never heard of because maybe they're not easily marketable or they don't come from more dominant so-called ethnic groups or language groups. You know, there's a 
South Africa is complex, as we know, but yes. I think it's amazing to hear this, this music now. Thank you so much. We are exploring and celebrating this amazing six-part podcast series, The Gallo Vault Sessions, on The World Show. Check this one out. Absolutely beautiful. Noha from T. Makala. And I loved what you said there, Goodwill. You said this is the original rap, you know? Of course it is. (laughs) But, you know, you say that and often over the years, you know, even in more contemporary times Puzikamisi there's there's so many people are you talking about Puzikamisi I mean like I enjoy listening to Mfazo Myama and Mfazo Myama has a song called Nyashisa Ngitipe yes. that means I'm hot as fire yes. and, and that's that's what rap music is about right exactly. now when people you can just talk about who you are where you're from and, and, and that's where the connotation for me where I'll talk about the fact that this was the original rap. I mean, did you hear what how it was flowing yes. in there? Ah, beautiful. With the accordion sounds as well. Absolutely beautiful, you know. But we were speaking about this also when the song was playing. And for me also, you know, I've done quite a lot of work researching the history of radio in this country. And I think largely also because people often ask me, what were your musical influences? And I give jazz and mm. South African jazz, Latin jazz to my mom and I give classical and kind of your more avant-garde stuff to my dad. But it was also my nanny who grew me up mm. that was playing Radio Bantu. Yeah. And clearly that had an impact on, on what I play now, you know. <laughs> but, you know, so for me it's always been so interesting to look at the history of radio and it's, the role it's, that it's, it played. It's yes. scary in South Africa. I mean, when uh, the podcast was put together, and uh, I do say people must just go listen to it, uh, one of the stories that was spoken about in terms of radio is that there are Africans' music that was not allowed to be played on the, at the SABC. Because they were singing about poor Afrikaners and they were talking about the guy that died in the mines because the Afrikaners were working in the mines back in the days. So when musicians, as music talks about culture and it talks about what we're going through as a country, yes. uh, uh, when you find uh, African music like that, it was not allowed to play on radio because yes. it was not the proper African way. You were supposed to sing about flowers and how beautiful the sky is. Immediately when you talk about uh, a Danny who died at a train station, then then Africans were like, no, don't do that. Yes. So it, it, it's just fascinating. And and as you go through the podcast as well, you realize people like Ray uh, Brare, who, who also spoke about, he's not on the podcast itself, but some of the interview that he has done uh, is about the fact that as artists, they were not able to express themselves. Yes. So you couldn't talk about Mandela or you yes. couldn't talk about apartheid because the SABC wouldn't play your music. Yes. So artists used to come around with words that would mimic what they wanted to say yes. uh, instead of saying, we miss you Mandela, they go, we miss you Manelo. Yes. And that like happened Chico did. Yes. like Chico did. Yes. So, so you find that culture, radio, how it has influenced um, uh, the music that is out there. So there's a lot of music that's still going to be coming out, which was not allowed before. We've got songs that uh, we're releasing on playlists now. Yes. You can check them out on the, our Gallo page on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, all the DSPs, basically highlighting songs that uh, were not 
good to play where they put a razor on the record yes. at the SABC and they actually still yes. have it. Yes, <laughs> the, the vinyls with the cuts. Where, yeah, with the cuts. And it, and it, it might only be one song yeah. that is removed. Yeah. It could be the whole album or it could be just that one track on the vinyl. One track. Yes. So one, after listening to the podcast, a podcast as, well, as you are listening to the podcast and you realize and enjoy the freedoms that we have currently. Yes. And, and just think how fortunate we are. Absolutely. Uh, see how far we have come, absolutely. even though we are we do still struggle. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's also really interesting what you said at the beginning of our conversation, Goodwill, because it's something that I've often speak about, which is how music and the arts in general, but very strongly, it's very evident with music particularly. Artists are a representation of mm-hmm. their community or their environment and uh, and a re- reflection mm. so they reflect what's going on mm. but they also represent yeah absolutely you know? i mean uh, when you look at the mm. 90s when Gallo started uh, sending our artists not sending uh, it was not an intentional thing it's something that happened with the magic of music yes. you look at what happened with graceland where South Africa was all already on the world stage yes. and people were talking about us and they were talking about our struggles because of music and, and the culture of the music that we were exporting out there. So music made people aware. I mean, you look at Mama Miriam Makeba, yes. who's even spoken the, uh, the, the United Nation, music yes. that has touched people and made them aware and opened up this veil of, of darkness in the country and showed people what was happening in, in the country. And that was through music. Showed people and and also you know, and also uh, I'll just I'll come to you Zara and also um, showed people but also kept people it, it was a load start was a light in of of hope and uh, you know and comfort if, <laughs> I, if I can put. I, I, as you're talking like that I'm thinking about Lulu Masilela Zara when Lulu Masilela yeah. did the song Azikwela. Uh, which was a song that was done uh, when there was that uh, boycott for buses because the, the price increase went up. A price increase obviously means yes. it, go, it went up. <laughs> <laughs> and people just decided, we're not going to take buses. They walked to Santin from Alexander. They walked from uh, Alexander to Joburg to, to, to go to work. And, and Lulu Masilela and the team went and put up a song, Azikuelo, and supporting that struggle. That went on for six months. Protest. The boycott, yeah. The yeah. protest went on for yes. six months. And, and there were songs around that. There were songs around 1976. I mean, yes. uh, I mean, not Sipo Sipo has got a song, uh, Chant of the Marching. Yes. And that's a beautiful song uh, that yes. was supporting the youth of 76. So, so, you know, so it's happening in that area uh, of time, in, yes. that, in that era as well. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Zara? Yeah, I think it's important, you know, as Goodwill is saying, that music obviously reflects the time, but I think even more than that, it is also the product of the time, right? So it's not just yes. about consciously trying to reflect it. But I, and I think in South Africa, it's really easy for us to try and find a kumbaya story, right? A story of hope because we, we, we want it. <laughs> we yes. really want it. Yes. But I think there's a big cost that came mm. as well. And I think that's a really important thing that we mustn't brush over is what is the cost of, say, music you know, South African artists going and performing the Graceland tour. What is the deep cost of that? Um, What is the cost of our music being exported abroad and thereby being appropriated and exploited um, in in the West, right? So I think these are really, really intricate and and, and tricky conversations um, to have and to um, really do so in a way that, like, honours 
I think the experience of the artist, not just us as researchers or us as people who really love music, right? Um, and that's really what we, we, we try to do is to explore all these different nooks and crannies so that we're not just um, feeding into this kind of Rainbow Nation narrative of, okay, we, we had struggle and, and therefore um, the music was about the struggle. And, you know, it, I think it's also important that we think about um, also the moments of joy that mm. uh, yes. this music really encapsulates. And I mean, South Africa has an f- incredible soul archive that we barely speak about. We barely speak about people like the anchors or yes, the um, movers. If we get a chance, we'll play the, that track today. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. And that's was facilitating joy and freedom whilst there were various types of unfreedoms that people were experiencing. Mm. And so it's important to show that the entirety of the picture. And also what you spoke about earlier, you know, what is the cost? And as much as there might be slight differences, those mm. are the relevant questions for music that is coming out of South Africa and Africa today. You know, if 100%. you look at, you know, the likes of uh, uh, Manu Dubango's Soul Makosa and, and mm. Manu actually settled out of court. He sued Michael Jackson and Rihanna separately mm. and settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. But those are the kind of things we're looking at. There is this exploitation, if you like, that still we have to be conscious of today. A hundred percent. So we, we delve into that in the forthcoming episode that will drop at the end of at the end of this month. And so episode five, we look at the the global expansion, I suppose, of South African music and um, ways in which it has been done. Um, all the way the the positives and also the complications mm. with that and what happens when music say reaches the west but also what happens when South African music goes to Colombia as an example and yes. what is the kind of horizontal sharing that happens in that context that maybe isn't so horizontal say when you're dealing with the likes of Disney or the likes of Paul Simon or yes. Malcolm McLaren etc yes. um, yeah I mean uh, for me to think about the fact that Soul Brothers are so famous in Colombia which uh, Zara just mentioned, she touches on on this episode coming now. Yes. Soul Brothers, uh, yes. uh, of all. Yes. Uh, I was <laughs> listening to your interview with uh, Mam Hilda Klobatla. Yes. Uh, she's also featured there. Yes. And just to think about the fact that she ran away, she didn't go to school, her bags went to school. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but she went to the Gallo Studios. Yes. And at the time, uh, artists didn't have contracts. Uh, they were just yes. given a session fee. Yes. And they were just happy just to be there. Yes. And, and and then the flip to that story as well, you find someone like um, uh, Sipo Mabuse who comes through and says, no, we're not going to go through the talent scouts. We're going to go straight into Galo and sign a contract. Yes. So there has been landings. And, yes. and, 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 and Zara is right. It's not about just talking about the glitz and glamour. And that's what I like about the podcast as well. It's not only talking about the beautiful things, the award-winning Lady Smith yes. Mambazo, but it also delves into artists that their songs were not written uh, where like a Lulu Masilela has written a song yes. but has never received a cent for it yes. or, or hasn't get, gotten a credit for it because yes. the way the contracts were structured and yes. the fact that uh, we were able to explore that and, and look at it straight in the eye it yes. means that uh, once you start talking about something change is coming and 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 uh, we, we're very happy that uh, with the investment that even Black Coffee put into the company to say that uh, let's start to reimagine Gallo, 
rethink about the things that we're going to be doing going forward. So we are in that process at, at the at the moment and uh, connecting with uh, audiences out there. And I suppose part of that is going back to the roots, yeah, like you have here. Going back to the roots. Let's hear another track. Uh, this one I think is an important one because. Mparanyana is Mparanyana. so often referenced. Tell us a little bit more about this track we're going to play, Zara, or a story around it. Sure. So we're going to play Nkanako Homotseba, um, which is a, a rendition of Percy Sledge's Take Time to Know Her. <laughs> um, and I think what's really been interesting for myself as the researcher on this project has been to see how these particular figures say like... Um, Booker T and the MGs and um, Percy Sledge really, really influenced the sound mm. of South African music in a way I had no idea. Yes. And Percy Sledge also d- did a tour to South Africa in the 70s despite the boycotts. And initially his tour was supposed to be racially segregated. Um, and then uh, subsequent to that, apparently white people were going to the tour basically in blackface to try to get in yes. to be able to, <laughs> to watch him, which is um, really an interesting kind of tidbit um and then the apartheid government gave him the allowed him basically gave him a pass to 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 play racially um mixed shows um but so this is really you know i guess a homage to percy sledge by um paranyana um that i i i was not aware of um and i've been subsequently trying to hunt down people who were at who attended that tour and it turns out my my, my mother's entire family went on like a, a field trip together <laughs> yes. when she was eight years old to the to the tour. But um, yeah, I think it's a, a really beautiful song, and um, somehow the Tswana language um, lends something different to it as well. Thank you so much, Zara, Julius, and Goodwill and Kuna with me on the World Show. I'm Nikki B, and we are talking about the six-part Gallo podcast series. Check it out; it's on all just about. Uh, you'll find it. You'll find it, and I'm sure you're hungry to listen, uh, having had a taste of it for now. But we've still got more to go. Here is Mparanyana. <laughs> Ah, Kaya 959 on the street, on the air, and of course, in the archives. (laughs) How beautiful, how soulful is that? (laughs) Hey, yes, (laughs) absolutely beautiful. And there's so much more. I mean, we're going to run out of time. We've probably got another two tracks that we can play. But as you spoke about the soul and the influence of Percy Sledge Mm. and other great soul singers, I think, across the world, Mm. absolutely beautiful. Now, you know, I, I said you, you'd given me a couple of tracks, but I thought it's really important we play an Afrikaans track. And the track that you've chosen, Zara, is quite interesting because, uh, for this, because obviously you've got a lot more on the podcast. But very often, and I think, you know, coming out of that apartheid legacy, people associate Afrikaans um, with the apartheid language. Mm. Yeah. And mm. we forget, and we, and we live in places like Johannesburg, and we forget that Afrikaans is spread ac- you, you, ac- across just about all the ethnicities. Actually, <laughs> actually, um, one of the interviews uh, with uh, uh, it was uh, Anton Hosen 
Anton Hosen, they were singing more songs that were rebelling against the apartheid government. And he says, Afrikaans is not a white language. It's a South African language. Yes. It belongs to everybody. It was not only for the rich elite, which I found very interesting because in my mind, Afrikaans was in that direction. Yes. But when Hosen was saying, not Hosen, uh, Anton Hosen was saying that, I found that very interesting. Actually, uh, we also discovered that uh, Lucky Dube had an Afrikaans album called Warm Hansi. I never knew that. That's amazing. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful it's Is a beautiful it song. Is it reggae? It's not reggae. Oh, okay. It's it's, okay. it's it's really Capsidans. And actually, one of his first uh, languages before he could speak English was Afrikaans because he grew up in Pumalanga. He grew up in a farm. So this is what we're discovering as we're going through this journey. Yes, amazing. <laughs> and this really, once again, come back to that. Here's the arts. Here's music. Mm. Here's the history. Mm. You know, mm. I, I've, I've often said, and I think about somebody else who was part of the Gallo, Gallo stable, Dorothy Masuka. Mm. And I remember listening mm. to Dorothy, speaking to Dorothy over the years. But I remember one specific time when oh. I was listening to her life story. And I realized that if you just told the story of this individual woman as an artist. Amazing. You would tell the story of uh, the political, social, mm. economic of a whole region, not just South Africa, you know. And what a wonderful way to learn a story Mm. is to learn it through the life of a great artist. Correct. I mean, we touch on Dorothy Masuku's um, life and contribution um, in in a few of the episodes in in the podcast series and also her relationship, her uh, relationship with the producer, Katat Matumba, um, who produced her. Um, as well, and 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 how the two of them actually really shaped so much of what mm. we know as South African female vocal styles in South Africa. Like we just don't yes. we don't actually pay homage to to Dorothy Masuka's yeah. contribution in the same way that we might pay homage to, say, Miriam Makeba, who obviously we need to pay homage to. Yes. But there's a there's a kind of seed that I think Dorothy really planted that um, has kind of proliferated in a way that. Um, is almost so vital that we don't even realize. You know? Absolutely. And as you say, her, yeah. her vocal prowess, but also her songwriting. For the song, me, the song 100%. that she, she's written, uh, yes. amazing. I mean, like she was kicked out of South Africa at one time. She had to go stay in exile because yeah, she was writing songs. Even though one of her songs. parents is, is South African. You know, I mean, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No, yes. because of the song that she was writing yes. uh, at the time. Yes. say. If, if we were to go through, uh, if we were to go through the Dorothy Masuka story, we'll need another hour. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, um, amazing, and you know, wow, beautiful, beautiful podcast. Check it out, everyone. Yes, uh, the Gallo Vault sessions. Check it out on all your podcast uh, channels. You'll find it there. But going back to the Afrikaans music, because we're probably going to run out of time. But this one you've chosen, Zara, is the Malay Choir. Tell us about mm. it. Mm. Yes, so this is um, Wum Yakels, which is a, a song that was recorded by the Central Malay Choir, which um, basically didn't actually exist in reality. Gallo um, kind of formed a Malay choir out of many smaller Malay choirs um, in the book up. Um, and I think it's interesting because it's, there's the banjo is in there. There's particular types of folk music traditions that eventually found themselves into what we call Buddha music, right? Um, but kind of emerge from this um, mm. community on the foothills of, of um, Table Mountain mm. being um, woke up, right? With the yes. Malay community. Um, 
the song is, I think, really, really fire. It's really a good time. Uh, and I think it's important to kind of see that this was seen as the, the kind of sonic quality was seen as low class, not favorable to the, <laughs> to the apartheid project, right? Nice. And, and kind of exists as a foil to someone like Kay Korsten and his song Erika, which was actually a rendition of like a Nazi SS marching song that oh, actually became sure, platinum. Sure. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I think this is a really great example also because we don't hear enough of, of um, I think, music from the Cape in Gallows Vault yes. at all. And this is actually the only, the only example that we hear. That, that we hear you found, yes. Yeah. Amazing. So I hope people enjoy. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, uh, coming up now on the World Show, the Malay Choir with Uam uh, Yakos. Definitely a treasure. Kaya 959, the Malay Choir with Urm Ayakos, another aspect of our South African rich musicality. Thank you so much, uh, Zara, Julius, Goodwill and Kuna. It's been such a pleasure. And we could have gone on for hours, you know. <laughs> it was fun. And, and for beautiful songs that uh, you've also selected as part of the series. We must always bring it back to the songs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we've got just time to end with one last track. Tell us about this one, Zara. Yeah, I think the last track we'll play is Makuna Totle Band uh, with the song Mapeu Peu. Um, this was released in 1977, I believe. And I think it's important to to pay homage to Makuna Totle, mm. mainly because of the ways in which they were the backing band for so many Absolutely. Um, artists that came out of, out of Gallo. Um, and I think we don't, you know, they were basically South Africa's The Funk Brothers, right? That like yes, backed yes. every al- album that came out of Motown. And they um, also set, the, set the, the path for a whole lot of musical styles. They, mm. It was that, yeah. that kind of, yes, it was a very significant sound that they brought yeah. and developed, yes. And, and they chose the name Mahona Sotle because, uh, sorry, they, Zara, they chose Mahona oh. Sotle, which means able to do everything. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Thank you both so much for joining me on The World Show. We must continue this, and I urge everyone, go and listen to the Gallo Vault sessions and do give us your feedback. Goodwill? Uh, no, thank you so much to, to The World Show. Thanks to the Kaya family um, and all the listeners that are listening in. Uh, thank you so much. It was a great interview. Yeah, it was a pleasure. A great chat. Thank you too, Zara and Goodwill. Thank you so much, Nikki. It's been great to be on here. Thank you. We're going to end with the Mahone Sokhle Band. Mapel Band. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.